the, the little bumper video there, I don't, I don't know if you noticed that there were two or three times when it referred to our option to make a choice. And I want us to really focus on that for the next three weeks leading up to Thanksgiving. Because gratitude really is optional. So often, many of us wait for something to happen that is so good that it causes us to be grateful. And in reality, that's not the way it works. Gratitude is an option. It's a choice. I want us to begin today in Genesis 8. If you have your copy of Scripture with you, we're going to start in Genesis chapter 8 at verse 15. As I want us to think about gratitude. The first time we went to Honduras, uh, there was no Dr. Pepper in Honduras that we could get to. Now later, missionaries there took care of us. But the first time we went to Honduras, we were there for a week without Dr. Pepper. And I remember Come around Wednesday, I started thinking about Dr. Pepper, and Thursday, I started really kind of craving Dr. Pepper, and Friday, I was ready to get home so I could get some Dr. Pepper. We came home, we flew into, I guess, Houston, and one of the first things we did was go to a restaurant, and I ordered, I don't even remember what the food was, but I had Dr. Pepper with my meal. I, I, I wanted to get to Dr. Pepper. The, there was, I was ready to, to get out of, away from the trip I'd been on and get back to things that I was familiar with. I think Noah was probably in a very similar situation. God says, Noah, build this big boat. And Noah looks around and there's no rain, there hasn't been any rain. And there's no lake anywhere close by. Build a boat. Yeah, but don't just build a boat. We're going to make it a zoo. <laughs> what? Yeah, we're going to build a boat. And we're going to bring all the critters and put them in there with you and your family. And then we're going to close the door. <laughs> yeah. Noah goes ahead. He's obedient, as you know. Builds the boat. At the right time, by the power of God, miraculously, all the critters show up and they are put into the boat. They close the door, which again, apparently, according to, to the, the story, God closed the door. And then the rain starts. And it rains. And it rains. You know, around here, we get tired of rain. If it rains for more than three hours, we're done. It rained over a month, 40 days, 40 nights, it rained. And when I was a kid, I always pictured that, okay, it was raining for 40 days, 40 nights, and then it's over. But that's not the way it worked, was it? Because it wasn't intermittent showers, it was Rain, it was pouring 40 days, for over a month, which means that once it stops raining, the place is still covered with water. And so 
Noah and his family on their new houseboat are just being tossed back and forth and up and down every which way. The water is, is everywhere and the waves are pushing them. I mean, I know some people, I know some people who can't go deep sea fishing, you know, for three or four hours without getting sick. Imagine being on this ship for months with no stopping. After the rain stops, the water is pushing them back and forth. There's no place to rest, no place to stop. And one month goes into two months, goes into three months, goes into four months. Noah and his family and all the critters are in the boat for a year. Finally, finally, they're able to open the door after a year and come out of the ark. What is the first thing you do when you get back to the States from a long trip in Honduras? You find a Dr. Pepper. What does Noah, what's the first thing Noah does? When he finally gets out of the ark, finally gets to walk on real ground again. I'm sure it's still sloshy and muddy, but he, he finally gets it. What's the first thing he does? Tweets a joke about how many rabbits they have now? I don't know. <laughs> Genesis chapter 8. Let's pick up the story at verse 15. Then God said to Noah, go out from the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. I love the way that he kind of he checks roll. You know, after the chaos inside there with all those critters for over a year, make sure you don't leave anybody out. Don't forget anybody. You, your wife, your sons, your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing that is with you of all flesh, birds and animals and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, that they may swarm on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with them. Every beast, every creeping thing, every bird, everything that moves on the earth went out by families from the ark. And what was the first thing he did when he got out? Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And what's amazing to me about his first choice is, remember, there is no tradition of making sacrifices. The world was evil. That's why God sent the flood. Noah didn't grow up learning about altars and sacrifices. It didn't exist. You say, well, God told people to build altars and sacrifices. Yeah, he did, but not for another thousand years. There was no tradition. There was no law. There was no religion at all. How then does Noah build an ark or build an altar, make sacrifices to say thank you? 
he found a way to express praise, adoration, and gratitude. This was not something that was established. Noah knew that God had taken care of them. And so he wanted to praise God and say thank you. You remember this? Anybody remember playing with these? Etch-a-sketch, right? I mean, you can spend hours on this thing. You turn those, those knobs and it moves it up and down and this one moves them back and forth and you learn to, to turn the knobs at the same time and, man, you can cover this whole thing and you, just, you can get all kinds of fun stuff on there. But then when you're done, all you got to do is turn it over and shake it and you get a new start, Right? Has your world ever been turned upside down? You ever feel shaken? When the shaking's done, how do you respond? God, how dare you let my world get turned upside down? How could you make me go through that shaking? Noah says, how could you force me to stay inside that Boat with all those smelly, nasty critters. Not to mention the daughters-in-law. How could you do this to me? What's wrong with you? We have an option when our world gets turned upside down and shaken. We have an option. We can say, look what I've lost. Or we can say, look, it's clean. There's a new start coming. Many of us have lived through experiences like that where our world gets turned upside down and we get shaken. In some ways, all of us have lived through that the last year and a half or two. Our world has been turned upside down and we've been shaken and we have a choice. We can be bitter, and we can turn our anger toward each other, and we can turn our anger toward God, or we can say, wow, this is a new start. This is a new chance. This is an opportunity to rebuild. When Lisa and I had an opportunity to rebuild our home, we did just that. We did not want to build a new house in a new place because it would feel like we had to move. Instead, we wanted to build our house on our place so we felt like we were going home. But what we did was get the old blueprints out of the old house and we said, this room needs to be bigger and this wall doesn't need to be here and we can move this over here. And we adjusted it to be the house we wanted it to be and then we went home to the house we wish we had to begin with. Our world got turned upside down and shaken, but we got a new start. Here is Noah. His world has changed, but he chooses to be grateful. 
preacher, you don't know how bad I've had it. That's probably true. But that does not negate the fact that you have a choice. You can choose gratitude. In Hebrew, the word for gratitude is a, is, is a cool word, really. In Hebrew, the word that we translate gratitude means recognizing the good. We go through life every day. Good things happen. Bad things happen. Do we take time? Do we make the choice to recognize the good? See, I think sometimes we make the mistake of thinking that that we deserve the good. We expect it. We get upset if we're not given the good. The Hebrew word for gratitude is recognizing the good. That's the practice. Just choose to recognize the good that God has brought in your life. Daniel was... uh, He was a good guy. He was uh, a young man who followed God, trusted God. He was taken from his homeland by the enemy, and he was forced to live in a society where they had laws against doing everything that came naturally to Daniel. The law even said, you cannot pray to any God other than the king. Well, Daniel couldn't live that way. And so in Daniel chapter 6, we read that when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, the law had been passed, you are not allowed to pray. He went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and what? Gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. It's cool that they said don't pray, and he said, I'm going to pray no matter what. I'm going to keep praying. That's cool. But that's not, that's not the, the best part of the verse for me. Did you notice he didn't just pray? It wasn't just his religious activity that he continued every day. He didn't just do what he had always done. It says he prayed and gave thanks before his God. He's not at home, but he's choosing to be grateful. He is controlled by evil regime, but he chooses to be grateful. They're saying it's illegal for you to do what you know is right, but he chooses to be grateful. What about Jonah? You remember Jonah? God says, go yonder, and Jonah says, no, and God says, yep, and Jonah says, I don't want to. God says, cool, I'll just have a fish swallow you up, and the fish will take you where you're supposed to be. That's the Crowder paraphrase. But while he's in the fish in the middle of the ocean, headed to where he's supposed to be, he is alive in the belly of the fish. And what does he do in the belly of the fish? I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will pay, salvation belongs to the Lord. That is not the prayer he prayed when he got where he didn't want to be. That is the prayer he prayed in the belly of the fish. He chose gratitude. 
David was being chased by his enemies. His life was in danger. He was hiding just so he could survive. And while he is in danger and while he is in fear, he's hiding. He writes or sings Psalm 69. The entire psalm from beginning to almost the end is, God, get my enemies. Protect me. Take care. Get, get rid of those bad guys. God, how, how has this happened? Why am I here? I don't understand. But then he makes a choice. And at the end of the psalm, he chooses, I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. He made a choice. In Luke chapter 17, Jesus heals 10 lepers. And they're so excited that they got healed. They run off. They can't wait to tell everybody, hey, you're not going to believe what Jesus did. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm healed. I'm free. Look, my skin has never looked so good. I could be on a TV commercial. And one, one out of 10 remembers. And he comes back to say thank you. Nine chose to go on about their lives and to not recognize the good. One chose to recognize it. Daniel chose to recognize it. Jonah chose to recognize it. David chose to recognize it. That's, that's the word in Hebrew. The word in Greek, which is the New Testament, the Greek word for gratitude has the same root as the word grace. It comes from the same root, the same word, charis. Some of you grew up celebrating communion and talking about the Eucharist. It's that word. Did you know that Eucharist means gratitude or thankful? It's, it's the, the body and the blood, and we are celebrating the Eucharist to say thank you for this sacrifice. The word in Greek for gratitude is the same word for grace. Gratitude acknowledges that gifts are an act of grace. We don't deserve them. We don't take them for granted. We're not entitled to them. You see, greed grabs. Gratitude receives. And grace gives. Greed grabs. Gratitude receives. And grace gives. When we think about the meaning of the word in the Greek, it, it kind of shows us a cycle. Because we have received, we can be grateful. We choose gratitude. And as we choose gratitude, that puts us in a position in which we now can show grace to others. If I don't choose gratitude, then I become selfish and I'm not going to give to anybody else. I'm worried about what I didn't get. But when I accept, I receive a gift that is grace. And I do so with gratitude. Now I can give grace to others. It's a powerful word that shows us how life works best. 
the happiest people, those whose lives are most fulfilled, choose to live in gratitude. They're grateful for God's grace, and they demonstrate that by showing grace to others. We're going to look at this verse again in a couple of weeks, but I want to show you Romans one twenty one real quick. Although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. You see what happens when we choose something other than gratitude? They did not give him thanks and they became futile in their thinking. Their foolish hearts were darkened. That's why the people who choose gratitude experience the opposite. Their lives are fulfilled. They're they're happier. They have more meaning. It's easier for them to outlive that life. 1 Thessalonians 5 then reminds us, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Notice real careful, it doesn't say give thanks for all circumstances. Because there's a lot in life that we can't be grateful for. But there are no circumstances in life that keep us from being grateful in. Give thanks in all circumstances, regardless of how your world has been turned upside down and shaken. We can choose gratitude.